Turn with me to the scriptures of John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I ask you to be patient with me tonight. And don't take me up wrong tonight either from the start, for you'll realize the thrust of my message. The thrust of my message is about grace. It's about love and mercy. And so listen out to the message. John chapter 8, beginning to read at verse 1. Jesus went up unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your matchless, sovereign grace, for your love, your tender care, for your mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. We pray, Father, now tonight that you, Lord, would speak to our hearts, every one of us, and, Lord, that you would take a dealing even with ourselves. Lord, if there's one here tonight that has not yet come to saving faith and trusting the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, we pray, Lord, that that man or woman, that young person may be saved. May they see their sin in his own body on the tree. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This narrative of God's word We are given a scene, and it's one of the law of God. It's all about the law here. Now, before we go any further, some say, oh, Jesus here, he doesn't bring the law into it. In fact, he he emphasizes it. He makes it and amplifies it bigger. But he shows the love of God. He shows the mercy of God. Notice this. It says here that there was a woman taken in adultery. Now, these men who bring this woman... 
she is taken even in the very act. And they bring her looking for her to be stoned. The seventh commandment is this. That is that which was given to Israel through Moses by the Lord. In Exodus chapter 20 and in verse 14 it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. In fact, Leviticus 20 and verse 10 says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, listen, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer, notice, and the adulteress, shall be surely put to death. Now they're saying that's the law, and that may be so. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 and 24, we find similar instructions. In verse 24 it says, Then ye shall bring them both, notice, ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. So in our reading, the scribes and the Pharisees bring a woman into the temple where Jesus was teaching at the outer courts. And in verse 3, they set her in the midst. And why did they set her in the midst? To make a public example of this woman. To disgrace her, to shame her, to dishonor her, and to show her up. They set her right in the midst. They were being righteous in their eyes. They thought, well, we're holy. We are just commandment keepers. We are the guardians of the law, and that we will do. And in a sense, they were right. But if they were properly, truthfully, and even honestly, fully keeping God's commandment and his law, then, then, according to Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10, and Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 24, we must ask the question, according to these passages of Scripture, where then was the other felon? Where was the man? For God's law says both. Notice John 8 and verse 4, they say, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? But what sayest thou? Now we can look at this as a case of this as a, a, a adultery, but it's more than that. This is sin from any level. This is sin and the breaking of God's commandments. This is sin and the breaking of God's holy law. And who has sinned but every single one of us? Every single one. There's not one of us in here better than another. There's not one of us in here higher than another, holier than another, greater than another, more righteous than another. There's none of us could stand before God if he marked our iniquities. These men come thinking they are something to show themselves more righteous. And if they wanted to keep God's commandments in its entirety, then Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 24 says, it tells us they were to be taken out onto the gate of the city and stoned that they die. One, 
the other felon wasn't there. Two, she was set at the temple. The temple was the place where God met man. They took her to the wrong place. They didn't bring the other felon, the man with her. And again, she should have been taken to the gate. These men had something else, another motive from their self-righteousness. But I love it when they ask the question, but what sayest thou? Because in times of my past life, Lord, what sayest thou? And the Lord says, go and sin no more, I don't condemn thee. Everyone who has trusted in Christ are under grace because we have broken the law. Notice this. Not only does it show us the self-righteousness of the scribe and of the Pharisee, these theologians who knew not God but pretended that they did, it shows us how man likes to see himself how man likes to view himself. I'm just before God and I'm better than the next one. Men also tend to take the part of the word of God that suits them. I'm going to say it again. Men and women tend to take the part of the word of God that suits them, that suits their cause, to make it applicable for their life that they may show themselves as something more righteous. And these men did exactly that. These men did exactly that. Brother, sister, let me say this. Every one of us, from this man to the one at the back, every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us need to be trusting in the finished work. Every one of us are under grace when we have come to Calvary's tree. Notice this. In Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn briefly with me, in Luke chapter 18, we have one of these men the Lord Jesus speaks of. Just a few verses. Luke chapter 18. And let's read from verse 9. And he spake this parable unto them, which trusted in themselves. Not the problem with many people who are churchy even in Ulster tonight. They're trusting in themselves. These men went to the temple. These men went through the ritual. These men went through the ceremony and they were trusting in themselves and what they could accomplish, what they could do. They were trusting in themselves, their own works. And the Lord notices it. There's no church can save you, friend. There's no religious act can save you, friend. You must be saved by coming through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said about this Pharisee, this, if you can call him a Jewish churchgoer, but he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican or a tax collector. Now understand the tax collectors, they were despised, not only by Pharisees, but they were despised by anybody. They were the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst, and no one, absolutely no one liked them. 
Think of Zacchaeus climbing up the tree to see the Lord. And he says, says, make haste and come down for I must abide. This night in thy house he went to have supper with him. And oh, imagine Jesus sitting with that sinner. Imagine Jesus sitting with that failure. Imagine this man who's holy and righteous, the only one that ever lived, going into a house with a man like that. Listen, Jesus is still the friend of sinners, and I am glad. I am glad that he is. Here we're told that the Lord Jesus tells us of these men who despised others, thought they were self-righteous. And we're told this in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. See this guy here beside me. See the one who's come to pray. See the one who's come to trust in what you have told him to do. I'm not like him. I'm trusting in me. I'm not like him. Brothers and sisters, sadly, even in the church world, there are many Christians will look down at others who have fallen. I'm glad I'm not like him. Oh, there but for the grace of God go I. And by the way, we have all fallen. Every single one of us. Notice this. I'm glad that I... I'm not like this public. In verse 12, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. See what I do for you, Lord. And I sort of live clean, you know. And he probably had a mind like every other man. Hello. The public in standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, that's the heart that God wants. That's the heart that God will have respect unto. That's the man and the woman that God will say, yes, I will have mercy here. Here, the Lord shows this man. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice verse 14. I tell you, he says, this man went down to his house justified. Isn't that beautiful? You know, this man went down to his house. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then the Lord says, this man went down to his house just as though he had never sinned. But I've let you down and I've failed you. And I've done wrong. Maybe he was an extortioner. As the far, maybe the Pharisee was right. Maybe the Pharisee was right. He was an extortioner. He was unjust. He was definitely this publican or tax collector, a hated person. You know, maybe he was all of that and so much more. And the adulterer threw in with it. But when he came and he had repented, he was forgiven. And that was the end of it. the end of it. You see, that's the power of the blood of the Lamb. Here, the Lord says, 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This man came, bowed over, and as it were, on his knees. This man came with his heart in his boots, and God looked at the heart, not in the outward appearance. And this is what the Lord said. Now go. It's thrown into the depths of the sea of my forgetfulness. Go sin no more. Oh, this one who despised the man that was there beside him, he went home with his problems just the same. We need to find grace, brothers and sisters, for one another. We need to see what God sees. We need to look how God looks. We need to see that man who's in a state or that woman who's in a state and see through the eyes of God that if he has mercy and if he shows grace, then who are you and I to say any different? Amen? Because one day, and if we're, true, if we're true with ourselves, every day, we all need it. We all need it. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 12, the Lord Jesus, this is who he's looking for. He says that he's looking for they that behold me, not a physician, but they that are sick. What do you mean, Jesus? They that behold me, not a physician, but they that are sick. In verse 13 of Matthew 9, he says, but go and learn what that meaneth. But look, I'm doing all of these things. We are righteous. Look, we're... We're the preacher, you know. We're the Bible teacher. She says, then go, he says, and learn what it means. I'm looking for hearts that will come before me. Hearts that will cry for mercy. He says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know something? See the man and woman that says, I'm all right as I am, and he didn't come to call you. See the man or the woman that says, well, I go to my church, and my church keeps me right, and if you can't hear his voice calling you, then he hasn't come to call you. For many are called, but few. I very, very, very rarely go to the GP surgery. Very, very rarely. Hardly ever. But I can imagine if I was just to go to the GP surgery and sit down with the GP and the doctor says to me, well, Ken, what can we do with you? What can we do for you? And I said, oh, absolutely nothing. I'm feeling great. I do that anyway. And Alison sometimes says, I'm going with you the next time. <laughs> Because I don't tell them and she makes me go sometimes and I wouldn't go. And I say, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm feeling great. So if I said that, he'd say, well, how can I help you? Oh, you can't help me. I'm doing brilliant. I'm fantastic. feeling really well. He'll say, well, then off you go then. What are you doing here? 
And the Lord says, they that be holy, not a physician, but they that are sick and over, it's those who realize that they're sinners and they're not saved. They're, they're the ones that realize, you know, I, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need to be trusting in the blood of the Lamb. And, and I haven't received this forgiveness of sins. And I will not go away justified to my house. For I have come in and I will go out the same way I come in if I don't trust in him. He says, and if you see that you're sick with sin in the soul and in the life and in the heart, he says, then he says, I've got the greatest antidote. I have the medicine of all medicines for you. It's called the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of Jesus, friend. Actually, when the Lord is saying this, you can read it later, he actually is taking this from Hosea chapter 6, verses 4 to 7, when God was scattering the northern kingdom. To see your sin, you can't even see your sickness. He says, but I want to make you well. But they refused him. Now Jesus says this to these Pharisees. And he says, you, he says, oh, you're full of self. Full of righteousness. Thank God for his mercy. Mercy is when we do not get that which we deserve. I'll say it again. Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. Ken, what did you deserve? I deserve to go to hell. I deserve the fullness of God's wrath. I deserve to be lost forever. I deserve to be in the lake of fire from Revelation chapter 20 at the great white throne judgment. I deserved it. Me, I deserved it. And so much more punishment. I deserved it. But mercy found me and I didn't get it. Grace is when we receive that which we do not deserve. What did grace find me? Grace says you're not going to get that, son. You're not going to be lost. You're not going to be in your sin. You're not going to be damned forever. You're not going to go to a burning lake. You're not getting that's mercy. And grace says instead you're going to get what you don't deserve. Grace says, you don't deserve it, but I'm giving you it anyway. Oh, grace found me in the person of Christ, the blood of the Lamb. I didn't deserve forgiveness. I didn't deserve the kingdom. I didn't deserve glory. I didn't deserve to be saved. I didn't deserve forgiveness. But grace found me. And grace was applied to my life and to yours, Christian. And every day, you're still undeserving, believe it or not. No matter how good you are, Christian, you're still undeserving. But mercy found us at the cross and grace carries us through until we arrive at glory. What a wonderful Savior. Folks, I have something to tell you. This man lets him down every single day. This man. I let him down every day. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. So how we look at the things of the word. And this is important because it says, how we, how we look at it. These men came and they wanted to take what they thought in John chapter 8. Let's just take the bit that suits us to point the finger at this woman, to shame this woman, to hurt this woman, and to kill this woman. But what do you say, Jesus? Jesus just said, 
I just say mercy. I say grace. Dr. James Kennedy, he's, he, the late Dr. James Kennedy, he was a, a well-known minister in a Presbyterian church in the United States. He was on a radio talk show uh, one night, and they thought that they would talk about anyone wanting to phone in about sin. Listen to this. The subject they took that night was on this, John chapter 8, and the adultery of this woman. And the host of the show said, over the airwaves, we'd like for any of you out there who have committed adultery to call in, let us discuss it and that experience on our show today. And the phone lines were dead. They went quiet. The host and his guests waited, and they waited, and there were silent phones. Nothing was coming through. None were ringing in. And finally, the host rephrased his invitation. This time he said, if any of you have had an affair, call in and let us discuss it. And the phones went like hot wires. You see, we can take something that we like to think of it as something else. For example, mistakes now for sin. It's a wee mistake. It's culture rather than righteousness. The culture says it, let's go with it. And so these men were doing the same and they thought, we're going to bring this woman, make an example of her, and we are so righteous, aren't we? Sets her in the midst right in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28, the Lord says, you have heard it said of old time, that thou, thou shalt not commit adultery, verse 28, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Friend, brother, sister, I have something to tell you. To see that woman that you looked at wrong, in God's eyes, you're as guilty as the man and the woman in John chapter 8. In God's eyes. You're as guilty as the man or woman in John chapter 8. Why am I saying this? It's not to make a big ado about this. I'm saying this for this. I want you to see the grace of God. I want you to see his dealing with the situation. I want you to see more than just a display of a woman in the midst and one sin that's been pointed out. For James says, if any man keepeth the whole law, yet offendeth on one point, he's guilty of it all. He's guilty of it all. And brothers and sisters, before we were saved by sovereign grace, every one of us were guilty of it all. And let's be honest, if the truth be told, day by day we're still guilty of it all. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. I sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Here we have the Lord saying 
to these, to these Pharisees. Listen, John 18. When Jesus was arrested and tried by Pontius Pilate, he says to the Jews and the leaders there, this was more than just a religious matter that had happened now. What these Pharisees had done in John 8 was a political issue. They wanted to make it something that it wasn't. They wanted to blow it out of proportion. They wanted to make sure this was a big, a big noise. They wanted to catch Christ. What do you say? Now in John 18, verse 31, listen to what Pilate says. When they tried, the Lord says, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. What they were doing is they were relying on not the law of God, but now they're saying, oh, here, the law of Caesar and the governors of Rome here. Only they can put a man to death. Really? John chapter 8, you weren't saying that. You see, it became political. It was more than it was more than theological. It was more than religious. It was political. The profession of faith, the profession of their law, didn't go as far as to render the th- to God unto God the things that are God's, but they rendered unto Caesar the things which were Caesar's. They wanted the master to condemn the woman to death and keep God's law and break Caesar's. That's what this is about. That that Christ would break Caesar's law. He was to be there. Listen, he was to be their political football. And some people, in some circumstances, in different situations, become the political football where men and women are placed in the midst to make an example of, and brothers and sisters, it's just not right. It's not right. Today, he is thought of and treated as just that, the name of the Lord Jesus, his word, his commandments. He's belittled, he's hated, he's laughed to scorn and So many Christians hide their witness and render to Caesar the things which are Caesar's rather than unto God the things which are God's. Now look at our reading as we round this up to close it. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Let your eye run down to verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they may have to accuse him But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Twice. He's up and down twice, riding on the ground. Up and down twice. Many people have wondered, what did the Lord write? Did he write their names? Did he write their sin? 
What did he write? Some says he wrote the Ten Commandments. To be honest, we just don't really know. But let me throw my, ten, my two cents worth in here for a moment. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 13, listen to what it says. Jeremiah 17 and verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth. I'm going to say it again, then finish the verse off. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Then the verse goes, Hail me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Their names will be written in the earth, but me, will you heal and save me? Will you heal me and save me, O Lord? So was Christ in that day saying, yeah, I'm not even listening to all that you got to say about this woman. She's done wrong, yeah. He gets down and he starts to write. And as he continue to speak, he says, here's without sin, let him cast the first stone of her. And he gets back down again and begins to write again. I wonder, did they see their sin written on the ground or did they see their names there? that he knew, being God in flesh, he knew who they were. And he says, you're self-righteous. There's an old Puritan called John Trapp. He's well known, I'm sure many have heard of him. And this is what he said, if the best man's sins were written in his forehead, it would make him pull his hat down over his eyes. If the best man's sins were written over his forehead, it would make him pull his hat down over his eyes. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Brothers, sisters, let none despise you. Let not your heart be despised and pressed down. You have a past. If you're saved, it's washed in the blood. You have a present. If you're saved, it's still washed in the blood. Come to him and that's the end of it. And get on with it. See, it's not about me, you, and her. It's not about me, you, and her, or you, me, you, and him. It's about him. Her and the Lord. And the Lord. These men were convicted by their conscience. They were convicted by their inward man because they knew they had taken the word that they wanted and used it for their own gains. If they want to look at the word, listen. Listen. Deuteronomy 12 and verse 32. The Lord says through Moses the prophet, 
What thing soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Listen, brother, sister, see no matter how the depths have been, somebody comes with that nice wee word to tell you how bad you are. It's for their own end. Move on in God. all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Lord Jesus says these immortalized words. And I say this in close. John chapter 8 and verse 11. Neither do I condemn thee. Stop living under condemnation. Some of you are living under condemnation. Stop living under condemnation. Live in the freedom, in the liberty that God has set you free with. Stop living under condemnation of men. Stop living under the condemnation of women. Stop living under the condemnation of whoever. Church leaders, no matter who they are. It's between you and him. It's between you and God, brother, sister. And if you're not saved, you're still under condemnation. But that can be lifted from you tonight. Coming to know the Savior. I'm glad. I rejoice in the grace of God that's found in Christ. I heard the words, Neither do I condemn thee. I hear it all the time. Lord, I've failed you yet again. Try not to, but try to live right. Of course we do. But I hear it all the time. Oh, Lord, I've failed you yet again. I'm no good. Not even faithful there. Today, my my prayer life wasn't even what it should be or, or my time spent in your presence or whatever it is or worse. I'm sorry, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go in peace. Trust in brother or sister, you'll go tonight in peace once and for all. And you'll say, Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. For there's no one like the Lord. Amen.